You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast. For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us. Let's welcome Owen. So I was, I was just joking with uh, Aiden Huerta over there that uh, it seems like half the time I get up here, the mic doesn't work. So the wireless mic, that is. They, I guess they don't want me wandering. Um, so as you guys can see by the, uh, the videos, right, it's obviously Father's Day. So I want to welcome you guys and say happy Father's Day. Um, and as you can see by our Father's Day, we like to do things a little different in my family. So I was just given my Father's Day present from my son and my daughter. And uh, I was given a chocolate bar from my son. And I was given this book from my daughter. It says, Dad, I love you because. And so, no, no, no. <laughs> so it says four, and she wrote Bozo Loser Face. Um, it says, Dad, I love you because 25 big and little ways, you're the, it says best, it's crossed out and put worst. Um, I'll just read you a couple of these, but it says, Hey, Dad, I love you because going to Ralph's with you never gets old, unlike you. And I love you because you're such an outstanding mix of slow and unamusing. Double high fives for you because you really make me want to up my style game so that I don't look like you. Thank you. And the last one I'll read is, and because you always dress bad and never look good, and for that, I am truly flabbergasted. That is my 14-year-old teenage daughter. So let's see if we can get the, uh, the clicker working here. Is it on? Probably not. It's been, it's been one of those days. Okay, it is on. All right. So uh, we're continuing our series here um, on gospel community, finishing up in 1 Corinthians. Uh, I have the uh, privilege of talking to you guys about chapters 15 and 16, um, and the title of the lesson this morning is, hey, it worked, Resurrected Living. Um, so before we get started, let's go ahead and open up with a word of prayer. Um, so if you guys would bow with me. Father, we thank you so much for the ways that you love us, God. We thank you for the opportunities that you give us. Thank you so much for providing for us and it's grateful that it's great that we get to celebrate you today on Father's Day, God, because you are truly an awesome and loving Father. Uh, you provide everything we need. You always take care of us. You're always there uh, to listen to our worries and our concerns and to encourage us and lift us up when we need it. God, we want to uh, say a special prayer this morning for uh, Jesse Edwards. Uh, God, I know that uh, he's having to go into the hospital for emergency surgery. I pray that you would uh, be with the doctors, uh, just really give them wisdom, help them to know exactly what to do, and I pray that you would bring about complete healing uh, for him. Uh, God, just thank you so much for all that you do. Uh, thank you for this time. Uh, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So uh, we're going to go ahead and look at uh, our first. No, is it working? No, there we go. Should I just point to you guys, or is this actually working? Okay, I'll just point. Um, so um, we've obviously looked at a bunch of different um, passages here in 1 Corinthians. We've, you know, gone over through all the way up through chapter 14. And today, like I said, we're going to talk about chapters uh, 15 and 16. And so um, let's go ahead and look at um, our first scripture here. And um, we're going to look at, uh, oh, 
okay, we got it. I'm figuring things out here. Um, so Paul was talking to the Corinthians um, about a lot of different stuff. He was talking about his life and the different things that um, he was experiencing and the things that the Corinthians were going through. And, you know, why am I lost here? Um, we've had things that we've experienced before we encountered Jesus and things that we've had to deal with and figure out. And so similar to the Corinthians, what Paul is talking to them right now is what we have to figure out. Um, oh, I'm missing my whole first page of notes. That's why this is off. All right. So let me break out my... Uh, it has been one of those days. All right. Let me uh, open up my Bible here. So 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting in verse 1. Thank you, Allie. Um, it says, now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of who are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then all of the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me as to one abnormally born. So Paul's talking to the Christians about, to the Corinthians about Jesus, and he's trying to make the point that Jesus was, that he, he died, that he was buried, and he was resurrected. Uh, the Corinthians hadn't seen Jesus. They didn't experience him as a resurrected person. And so we're in that similar situation, right? We have not seen Jesus personally. We haven't seen him resurrected. So we have to figure out whether we believe that he was risen or not. And when we come to make this decision, we all kind of approach God in our different stages of life, right? Sometimes we come to him as teens. Uh, sometimes we come to him as singles. Sometimes we come to him as married. So we're all in different stages when we come to this decision that we have to make. And then um, regardless of your stage of life or your time with God, the call is we need to live a resurrected life. So what we're going to do today is we're going to look at what it actually looks like to live a resurrected life. Um, next slide, please. Nope, I'm sorry. This is a slide. Ah. Um, all right. So Jesus died. He was buried, and then he was resurrected. Um, and so the first point that we have to decide is, there we go, is Jesus Christ a buried prophet or is he a risen Savior? And so as we come to make the decision, you know, we need to think for ourselves as we look at the scriptures, what do we believe? What do we understand? Um, and what decision are we going to make? So in Acts chapter 22, uh, verse, or Acts chapter 2, verses 22 to 32, um, the Bible reads, Men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep hold of him. David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand, and I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad, and my tongue rejoices. My body will also live in hope, because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. 
Brothers, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried, and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was ahead, he spoke of the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to the grave, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of the fact. So here Peter's doing the same thing that Paul was doing. He's speaking to the crowd at Pentecost, and he's making the same point to them, that Jesus was more than just a buried prophet, that he was and is our resurrected Savior. So if we believe that Jesus is our risen Savior, then we're obligated to live a life that follows that. We're obligated to respond to that belief with action, right? So there should be a change in how we view and how we respond to the world. Um, it should be clear that we're making efforts to follow the example of Jesus. And then finally, there should be joy and a peacefulness that's obvious to those who interact with us. Because we know that all of our experiences, both good and bad, serve to draw us closer to God. And that there's a purpose for those experiences. Uh, next slide. But if we believe that Jesus was just a buried prophet, as Paul surmises here in verse 32, if I fought wild beasts in Ephesus for merely human reasons, what have I gained? If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Right? So the contrary point here is that if Jesus was not raised, then just go about and live your life. There's no consequences for the actions you have. There's nothing waiting for you at the end of it all. Just live your life. Eat, be merry, drink, and die. But isn't that a sad existence? If there's nothing else out there, if we can just live for ourselves and there's, there's no point or purpose in the life. Um, and so, you know, obviously as we think about this, as we look at the scriptures, we've got to decide, do we want more than just that selfish existence? Do we want to have a life that can be impactful, that can affect others? Do we have, want to have a life that will live on after we're gone? And I don't know about you guys, but personally, I do. Um, and so... The, the, the one thing you don't want to do is get yourself in a situation where you're saying, yes, I believe that he's the risen Savior, but then you live the life of someone who doesn't, right? We don't want to be that. We want to be the people who are letting our lives follow our beliefs. And so if we claim to believe that Jesus rose from the dead, then our lives should reflect that as well. Amen. Next slide. Um, all right, so... 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 33 through 34. It says, Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Come back to your senses as you ought and stop sinning, for there are some who are ignorant of God. I say this to your shame. So once we figure out what you believe, then we have to decide what is our lives going to actually look like, right? And so, you know, we need to ask ourselves, who are we living for? Are we living for God or men. I'm sorry, next slide. Um, if we've made the decision that, true, that Jesus truly is the risen Savior, then we need to look at our lives and make sure that they accurately reflect that label, that they reflect our claim. Um, I know for me personally, I grew up um, sort of with a Catholic belief, and there was this kind of concept of, you know, do what I say, but not as I do, yeah. right? And so even as a kid, as a teenager, there was something about that that just rubbed me the wrong way. I didn't like the fact that people were claiming something that they weren't actually following, and it always right. bothered me. So when I started studying the Bible and, uh, you know, became a Christian, there was this concept of, no, I got to make sure I'm living this life out. And so Acts chapter 2, 42 through 47, kind of gives us an idea of what this resurrected life should look like. So chapter 2, verse 42, it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, 
to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So we have the four devoteds. Um, there we go. Next slide, right? So devoted to the apostles' teaching. Um, so I just want to kind of walk you through what this looks like, right? So if we're devoted to the apostles' teachings, then we should be devoted to reading the scriptures. We should be reading daily, but not just reading to read, but digging into the scriptures and trying to find things that are new, things that we haven't seen before, trying to take the scriptures and apply them to our lives. We should be studying out concepts of things that maybe we're struggling with or areas of our character where we want to grow in. Um, we should be looking to piece together what is the Bible really saying about certain things. Like one of the things I love to do is I love to put together studies. Um, I'll never forget when I was a young disciple, I was kind of having a problem. I was trying to figure out, like, how do I make spiritual decisions, right? How do I apply the Bible to my life? And I asked uh, the brother that was, you know, discipling me, mentoring me at the time, like, what do you think I should do? And he gave me some wisdom that I've never forgotten. And his thing was studied out. And I thought, well, it's a simple concept. But so what I did is I spent the next two months combing through the Bible, looking up every scripture that talked about decision-making and putting together a study of how to make godly spiritual decisions. And so that's kind of stuck with me. But this is what it should look like. If we're devoted, we should be digging into the scriptures, trying to pull out information, trying to find things that we can take that will help us grow and mature. Devoted to the fellowship. Obviously, with everything that occurred with COVID recently, um, this has kind of been a struggle for a lot of us, right? Being devoted to the fellowship. Um, I want to challenge those who haven't made it back in person yet. If there's not a reason for you not to be here, then come on out. Because the fellowship is a huge part of being a disciple, of living a resurrected life. Um, you know, are you going out of your way to foster relationships with other disciples? Are you seeking and taking advice? Are you allowing others into your lives to see the good, the bad, the ugly? Are you keeping people at arm's length? Or are you showing up to as many things as possible, making church a priority, or are you just showing up when it's convenient? I know that, you know, being married, having kids, life is a little bit different than it was as a single. As a single, it was easier to just be at everything because yeah. it was just a choice that you were making for yourself. Having a wife and kids, it becomes a little more challenging. You know, there's soccer games and sports and events and concerts, and, you know, there's times where you have conflict with your wife or your spouse or you're having a hard day with your kids and you just don't want to be there. It happens. It happens. Um, but are you willing, because you're devoted to the fellowship, to make the decision, I'm going to go anyways? Um, I know that the times that I've struggled the most and I've really kind of gone back and forth of do I really want to show up or just want to sit and, like, wallow in my sorrow, and I've made myself go, those were the best times. Those were the times where God really showed me something or taught me something um, and really helped me to understand, like, I need to be here. I remember a time as a single, um, I was just kind of struggling with, you know, I'm, I'm tired of being single. I want to be married. And there was this big single event. I'm like, I don't want to go. And, you know, the brothers in my life at the time were like, bro, you should go. You should go. And I was like, fine, whatever, I'll go because you're kind of, you know, in my ear. And I just want to shut you up. But I went and I had a great time. And it's always been like that. God has always rewarded me when I've made the extra effort. And I want to challenge you guys to do the same. If you're not feeling like you want to be at something, push yourself and go anyways and see what God can do. Devoted to the breaking of bread. Now, for a lot of us, we, we take communion every Sunday, and I think sometimes it just becomes what we do. And we, you know, pass the bread around in the juice or 
the, the, the terrible wafers <laughs> and the bad juice, but we pass it around. It's like this is just part of our service. This is Sunday, but we need to get back to being devoted to the breaking of the bread, to being moved and motivated by Jesus' sacrifice. Amen. We need to remember why he died, how he died, and the freedom that brought us. We need to reflect as we're taking the juice and the bread about, you know, where am I at today? Where have I been this week? What am I doing? And, you know, really tap into the power that God gave us when he allowed his son to die on the cross and never forget that sacrifice and the call to imitate him. And then devoted to prayer. Um, it's funny. I think people are built one of two ways. Raise your hand if you feel it's easy to read your Bible but hard to pray. Raise your hand if you feel like it's easy to pray but hard to read your Bible, right? So there's always one part where it's kind of like, this is easy. And for me, for the longest time, like I said, I love digging into the scriptures. I love studying. Prayer was kind of a difficult thing. Um, in the beginning, I tried, I tried getting out of bed, getting on my knees, and praying. And all that resulted in was a lot of extra sleep. Um, it is what it is, right? Um, then I tried sitting in a chair and praying. And I've been told that I have a touch of ADD. So... What ends up happening is you're praying, and then you, your mind just starts wandering to other things. So that didn't work. Um, and then somebody you know, suggested to me, hey, why don't you go for a prayer walk? And I thought, okay, I'll try that. And that's actually worked. Getting out of the house, walking around the neighborhood, and praying, for me, has been a great way to try to be devoted to prayer. It's allowed me to sort of tap into the things I feel like God is putting on my heart and the things that I need to speak to him about. Um, it was weird for a while because people felt, were, I, I like to pray out loud, so yeah. you know, I had a lot of those looks like, why is this guy talking to himself, is he crazy? <laughs> so now I, I pray while walking the dog, so at least it seems like I'm talking to a four-legged animal. Um, and when I get close to people, I do start talking to the dog, so it's not weird. But I think, I think if each of us need to figure out like, what works for us. I know there were a few different times where I was really going through something challenging, I really wanted to connect with God, so I got away. You know, I went to the cliffs or a mountaintop to just go pray and be alone with God. Uh, I remember one time it took me, um, took me about an hour to get to my prayer spot. And then I was able to pray there for about an hour, hour and a half or whatever. And then it took me about an hour to get back. And my roommates at the time were like, wow, dude, you must be super spiritual. You had a four-hour prayer time. <laughs> now, most of it was spent driving, but I did get to a good spot and I was able to pray. But I think it's important for us to pour out our heart to God on a daily basis, to pray through difficult situations, um, to pray about and for others. Um, one of the things that I've, I've done periodically, too, is, is I've prayed for God to show himself to me, to make it clear that, like, he, you know, is directing me in a certain way or giving me a specific answer to a certain situation. Um, so that's another way to really connect and be devoted to prayer. Um, we have to ask ourselves, what's more important here? You know, is it, is it watching TV? Is it getting that extra sleep? Is it playing those video games, especially you teens? Um, you know, are we, are we trying to be distracted and numb? Or do we really want to connect with God so that he can show us what he wants to do and do amazing things in our lives? So those are the four things. Devoted to the apostles' teaching, devoted to the fellowship, devoted to the breaking of bread, devoted to prayer. Um, so if we're trying to live a resurrected life, those are the four things we want to make sure that we have at every step of the way. Um, next slide. Acts chapter 4, verse 18. It says, Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Judge for yourselves whether it is right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. For we cannot help speaking what we have seen and heard, speaking about what we have seen and heard. 
So here they tried to force the disciples to follow a man-made path with the threat of punishment. Um, but they refused to obey, right? The disciples understood that it was more important for them to follow God versus following men. And I think for us, as we're trying to live this resurrected life, we have to figure out, are we going to follow men or are we going to follow God? Uh, One of the things I love here is it talks about they couldn't help speaking about what they'd seen and heard. And everybody here has seen something that God has done in their lives. Everybody here has heard something, some word, some message from God. Let yourselves remember what it was like when you first heard God and how excited you were. Let's get back to that. Let's get back to speaking about what we've seen and heard and sharing with others. Um, Again, I know for me with this whole COVID thing, it's been easy to kind of be in my little bubble and not talk to people. You know, I go around and I'm, I'm a good guy and I'm friendly, but the friendliness hasn't always been purposeful. You know, um, I, I, I find myself ignoring the prompting of, hey, go talk to this person, go share with this person, invite them out. Um, I find myself sort of set with my schedule. I got to be here by a certain time. I got to do this by a certain time. And then this person wants to come up and pour out their lives. And I'm annoyed instead of grateful that there's an opportunity to connect with somebody. So let's get back to being sensitive to what God wants us to do and connecting with the people that God's put in our lives so that there isn't anybody that in our sphere that can say he doesn't know about God. Um, all right, next slide. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, right? Yep, all right. Verses 42 through 44. So it'll be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable. It is raised... Wait, is that right? Okay, I'm sorry. Um, the body that is sown is perishable. It is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So, third point is leave the old you in the grave, right? So, we, if we've studied the Bible and we've been baptized and we're working to live this resurrected life, then we've got to make sure that we keep our old life buried. We can't forget who we were or how we got to where we are because that's important. We've got to remember the person that we were and the old life that we lived. But we've got to make sure that we don't let it come back, that we don't fall into the old habits and our old character and let it slip back in. And again, I know for me personally, when I'm not really being devoted in the way that I should, it's easy for old characteristics and old habits to come back in. It's easy for me to get angry, to, to have fits of rage, to be selfish, right? So we've got to fight those old characteristics. So let's take a look at what Saul was like before getting to know Jesus and afterwards. Um, Next slide, or I think it's up there. Acts chapter 8, verses 1 through 3. Um, It says, And Saul was there, giving approval to his death. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church, going from house to house. He dragged off men and women and put them in prison. Right? So this was Paul before he started living a resurrected life. He felt like he understood what he was supposed to be doing. He felt like his mentality and his way of thinking was right. And so he went after that with all of his fervor. Um, he encouraged the killing of Stephen. He sought to destroy the church and the lives of the disciples. Um, and he was the bad company. Right? Um, he was corrupting the lives of those around him. But then... He had an interaction with Jesus. 
And for him, everything changed. Next slide. And it's the same thing with us, right? As we have that interaction, interaction with Jesus and we're trying to live this resurrected life, everything should change. Um, Acts chapter 9, verse 17. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus and at once began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, isn't this the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on his name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priest? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. So after Paul's interaction with the resurrected Jesus and his baptism by Ananias, he sought out to live his resurrected life. Um, he was no longer living a decaying life, but instead he was living a life of power and one that would bring him immortality. And so... We have to ask ourselves, does the life, what does the life that we're living look like? Um, is our old life a life of dishonor and weakness? Is that what we want? Do we want to be that worldly person? Or do we want to live a new life filled with God's glory and power, a life that will lead to eternity with God? And so when it comes to this resurrected life, it's not like it's, you make a decision once and that's it. Right? It's this constant daily battle, this constant reminder that, no, I want to live this life. I want to imitate Jesus. And so we have to do whatever it takes to put ourselves in that position to keep the old life buried and to make sure we're living the new resurrected life. Um, next slide. First uh, Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Stand firm. Let nothing move you, and always give yourselves fully to the Lord. Does this currently describe your relationship with God? Are we standing firm? I did a study with um, the teens a little while back on this concept of standing firm, because there are so many things that are trying to knock us off balance. And so, next slide. So we have to ask ourselves, are we standing firm or are we teetering on the brink? For those of us who have been around for a while, this is challenging at times, right? It's easy to feel like I'm doing well because I go where I'm supposed to go, I give the right answers, and I keep myself busy. But does that mean we're standing firm? Does it mean that we're on solid footing with God? Are we digging into our characters? Are we still making changes? Are we still growing and moving forward? Or have we gotten stagnant and we're starting to backslide? Next slide. Um, 1 Corinthians 10, 11 through 13. This is one of my favorite scriptures. It says, these things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the fulfillment of the ages has come. So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. Amen. When you think you're standing firm, be careful, because that's when you're in trouble. When you think you're standing firm, you relax. You rest on your laurels. We have to make sure that we pay attention to the examples of the men in the Bible who fell. 
if you've been around for any time, I'm sure you all have the stories. You know somebody who, when you first met them, you're like, wow, that person is extremely spiritual. But that person's also no longer following God because they relaxed. They rested on their laurels. And ultimately, they stumbled or fell away. We've got to make sure that that's not us. And the idea is we've got to keep moving forward. Again, going back to being devoted to the scriptures, devoted to the fellowship, devoted to prayer, devoted to um, the breaking of the bread. We've got to keep striving each and every day to make sure we're living a resurrected life. Next slide. Um, 1 Peter 5, 6 through 9. It says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. So if we want to stand firm, first and foremost, we have to be humble. We have to accept humbly and honestly where we actually are. Again, living this life, uh, living a resurrected life is not, like I said, it's not a one-time thing. It's not a, a, a race. Or it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. And so there are going to be ups and there are going to be downs. And so it's important for us to constantly check in. Where am I at? What's really going on in my heart? What decisions am I making? Are they decisions that are going to push me closer to God? Are they decisions that are pushing me further away? Um, you know, we can't dismiss the cunningness of Satan. And we also can't dismiss how patient he is. It talks about he prowls around like a roaring lion, right? Yep. You, I'm sure you've all seen images on National Geographic or whatever of the lion just sitting there in the grass waiting. Yep. You know, there's a herd of elephants that's coming by, and he's just waiting, looking for the one that's going to fall behind, looking for the one that's wandering off, looking for the one that's checking out, and then he pounces. Yeah. And we don't want to be the person wandering off where we're alone yeah. by ourselves when Satan pounces. Right? If we stay connected to the fellowship, if we stay, if we're constantly checking in with our brothers and sisters, if we're digging into God's word, if we're putting on his armor, then we're going to be in a position to fight off any attack that Satan throws our way. But if we're not doing that and he attacks, we run the risk of being consumed. So the last thing we want to do is wander off and get caught by Satan alone and unprotected. Next, next slide. All right, so I love to get practicals. So these were my points. You know, Jesus Christ, buried prophet, a risen savior. So if you're trying to decide right now, if you're here for church, maybe this is your first time. Uh, maybe you've just been coming out for a little bit. If you're trying to decide if Jesus was a buried prophet or if he was a risen savior, if you're here, that's a good first step. I challenge you, ask the person who invited you, or if you're watching on, on the line, online stream for the first time, ask the person who invited you to sit down and study out the scriptures. At the end of the day, we each have to make a decision of what we believe. But it should be an informed decision. Don't be that person that says, no, I already know what the Bible says. I'm not interested in looking at it. I don't believe Jesus was, was, a very, was a risen Savior. I just think he was a buried prophet. Don't be that person. Take your time, study out the scriptures, see what they say, and then make your decision and see the impact that God will have on you. Point two is who am I living for, God or men? Um, don't just say what you want the right answer to be right now when you ask yourselves that question, who am I living for? Read through Acts chapter 2, 42 through 47 on your own. Look at your life compared to the devoted things that we talked about and determine what areas do I need to grow in in my devotion. It's too easy to look at something like this, to hear a message, and just dismiss it when you walk out. 
Take your time, stop and think, what does my life really reflect? Am I really living for God? Or am I just out here participating in the world like everybody else? Point three, leave your old life in the grave or leave the old you in the grave. We need to identify what aspects of our character might be creeping back in. Um, and we need, to do, we need to talk to somebody, we need to get some help figuring out what we need to do to nail them back to the cross, right? Repentance is a big thing in the Bible. It's not about being perfect, but it's about course correcting every time we step off. But if we don't know that we're stepping away, how can we course correct? So again, periodically check in. So I'm asking you right now to make this one of the times where you check in. Am I letting my old character things, am I letting my old ideals come back into play? And if so, what do I need to do to fix them? And then finally, standing firm or teetering on the brink. Humbly ask someone who knows you well. Stop and think right now of somebody who you know well, who you trust, who knows the real you, who knows the old you, who knows the new you. And with humility, ask them, do you see any aspects of my life, of my character, where I'm weak or vulnerable? Do you see any things where I need to change? And then listen to what they say. And then with them, get a plan to regain your footing and go after your relationship with God. Thank you guys for listening. Um, I, I appreciate um, your time. I'm grateful that I got up here and speak to you guys about 1 Corinthians 15. Um, again, this life that we're living is too important to not take it seriously. We're all here trying to live a resurrected life. We're all here trying to help each other out to live a, live a resurrected life. Let's make sure that we're standing firm. Let's make sure that we're on solid ground, and let's help each other get there. Amen. So right now, Aaron Doty's going to come up, and he's going to lead us in our thoughts for communion. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Thank you Owen, for the message and practicals. Good morning, everyone. I'm going to read most of my notes because I don't have this memorized. Um, I want to share a few thoughts before we take communion together. As part of my message, uh, we want to take time and acknowledge that today our country celebrates the national holiday of Juneteenth. <laughs> For those of you who are not familiar with this newly minted holiday, here is a few excerpts from the presidential proclamation for the holiday. Amen. After the Union Army captured New Orleans in 1862, slave owners in Confederate states migrated to Texas with more than 150 enslaved black persons. For three years, even after President Abraham Lincoln issued the Emancipation Proclamation, enslaved black Americans in Texas remained in brutal bondage, morally and illegally deprived of their freedom and basic dignity. On June 19, 1865, over two years after President Lincoln declared all enslaved persons free, Major General Gordon Granger and the Union Army troops marched to Galveston, Texas to reinforce the Emancipation Proclamation and free the last enslaved black Americans in Texas. Those who were freed from bondage celebrated their long overdue emancipation on June 19th, which is today. Amen. Today our nation commemorates Juneteenth as a chance to celebrate human freedom, reflect, of, reflect on the grievous and ongoing legacy of slavery, and rededicate ourselves to the rooting out the systematic racism that continues to plague our society as we strive to deliver the full promise of America to every American. And that's part of the presidential Amen. proclamation. Amen. So with that, I just want you to take a little time to say, can you imagine being held as a slave not knowing you were free? As a church, you should be able to pretty much imagine that because 
Many of us were slaves, of course not brutally incarcerated, but we would thought that we, ah, for many things that we thought we'd never be free. Abusive relationships, abusive substances, and accusations of a world that often tears down than build people up. Juneteenth is a celebration of freedom. Freedom is always a good reason to celebrate. As we gather for communion and take the bread that represents Jesus' body and the juice that represents his blood, we remember Christ and his sacrifice that brought us our freedom. In this world and the next, and we celebrate together at this time because we know, we know we are free and we are grateful to be free. Amen. All right, let's read this last scripture in 1 Corinthians. Um, when the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the, then the saying that is written will become true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives thanks to us, he gives us, sorry, the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus sacrificed on the cross, overcame death, and took away the power of sin. His death freed us from the hold of Satan that had over us, and it gave us the opportunity to live a life that is truly free. So at this time, I want to say a prayer for communion, and we can have communion. Let's bow our heads. Thank you, God, so much for today. Thank you so much for freedom in this world and freedom in this life and freedom in the next that you have given us. Thank you for the sacrifice of your son, Lord. Let us remember and take this time to be grateful and celebrate with you in the victory you had over death and over this world. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the South Bay Church Podcast. For other sermons, videos, upcoming events, and more about our church, please visit southbaychurch.us. 